0: Welcome to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Greg Rajan with the Houston Chronicle. Joined today by Texas A&M beat writer, and I guess he would be the College Station Bureau Chief, Brent Zorneman. Brent, how are you today?
1: Greg, I think that's the first time I've ever been referred to as a bureau chief. I just promoted you. Yeah, I, I do like the idea that I'm an old school bureau. There aren't Many of those left, but I've been in this role for about 20 years now for Hearst. So I'm going gonna, I'm
0: gonna to keep it rolling as long as I can. All right. Before we get started to the interesting topics, I, I want to take time to congratulate you because you were recently named the Football Writers Association of America's Steve Ellis Beat Writer of the Year for 2021, the year you broke really a bombshell story about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. For those who don't know, Steve, the late Steve Ellis covered Florida State for a long time for the Tallahassee Democrat. So congratulations, a well-deserved honor. And like I said on Twitter, the only thing you did wrong was when you tweeted out the link to that story when you were at SEC Media Days, you did not get video of the reaction in the media room.
1: Yeah, Greg, I, I treat that award like it's one of those deals where if you do something long enough – eventually, you, you know, you might get an award for it. And yes, the, the timing of all that was incredible. I, I, I hit send on that tweet that had this story attached, as we're supposed to do, you know, in terms of something like that, outside the Winfrey Hotel, because I couldn't get Wi-Fi inside, so I stepped outside into the parking lot of the media hotel at SEC Media Days, got on my uh, hotspot, hit send, I'm looking up at the hotel, And, you know, people thought it was some sort of timing where I was trying to time it when Jimbo Fisher was headed up to the podium. It wasn't that at all. It was just one of those kind of funny deals. I go back into the ballroom and you can see people are looking down at their phone and laptops as opposed to looking at Jimbo at that point. And I knew it was taking hold. But you're right. I should should have taken out my phone at that point and started doing the the pan of the
0: room. I will forgive you. You know, speaking of Jimbo, you're going to be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Saturday for a game that. We had had circled on the calendar for months, Texas A&M at Alabama. I'm guessing the Aggies, Aggie fans haven't really had that game circled as of late, huh? Considering the way this season has turned a three and two record. They just dropped out of the top 25 after loss at Mississippi state. They were number six to start the season. Then they lost Appalachian state kind of a very, uh, very convoluted start to the season. So you've always got your uh, finger on the pulse of the fan base there. So what is the mood in uh, Aggie circles heading into this game?
1: Certainly Alabama upheld its end of the bargain and uh, the Aggies did not starting in week two against Appalachian state. And that was evidence. It's something that, that those of us who have been around here for a while, kind of just observed this program have, have seen coming. This has been a really bad offense under Jimbo Fisher and really the Best year of offense under Jimbo was his first year when he still had Kevin Sumlin's players at that point and quarterback Kellen Mond 2018, those That was his only top 15 finish in total offense or in scoring one of those. And it, right now they're outside the top 100. So there's a lot of, to answer your question, a lot of angst around Aggieland is a way to put it because people see where he's recruited so well. And I think overall, he's a good head coach. He's a motivator and a guy who, who's really passionate about his job. He, he's become an awful play caller. And that's where they need to change. And that that needs to be a change in the offseason for the Aggies if they truly can intend to use all these four and five stars, especially five stars, which A&M is not accustomed to having, to compete for its first SEC title after being in the league over a decade. So, yeah, there's uh, a, a lot of fans see that. I think maybe the only person – in, in Brasses County at this point, Greg, who, who does not realize that, is, is a guy with the initials of J.F.
0: Um. Well, J.F., as we'll call him. Will, will We're not talking ever, about Johnny
1: Football either. Not
0: talking about <laughs> Johnny Football. Will Jimbo Fisher ever hire an offensive coordinator? Obviously, he gets to do whatever he wants there. He is really the master of all he surveys at Kyle Field. King Fisher. King, yeah. the Fisher King the, the Fisher King for those of us who remember early 90s movies but um, yes, I
1: think the uh, shine has worn off around here on that front to where when Jimbo was hired five years ago, he was giving free reign to do hey Jimbo, you're the man you know I'm speaking as A&m administrators not speaking as myself there of hey you can you can do what you want just get it in position do what you did at Florida State in his fourth year at Florida State he won a national title. Uh, it has not gone that way at AM. And the money, the guys who pay the bills realize that as well. And I do believe in the offseason, Jimbo Fisher will hire an offensive coordinator, kind of one of these sharp minds, a Joe Brady type. I'm not saying him in particular, but one of those type of guys to to you know bring a, a dynamic offense on board at AM and uh and he can oversee the whole operation. Because Greg, there's to me, there's more. Things than ever that a head coach is responsible for in this era of NIL and transfer portals and and all of those things. I mean, you see what's going on at SMU now where guys are going to sit out because uh, to preserve their year of eligibility after playing in only four games and so forth. You would have all these other things to deal with. So Jimbo Fisher really doesn't need to be coming up with this scheme. I've joked around that, you know, saying, hey, OK, Jimbo, would you focus on the play calling and let somebody else? oversee the whole operation because you can't do both. In, in other words, he'll, he'll just be the OC and then someone else could be the de facto head coach. Cause right now it's not working the way he's doing it.
0: You know, he arrived with a reputation as a quarterback whisperer. He had three first round draft picks at Florida state. You look at guys like Christian Ponder, EJ Manuel, Jameis Winston. What's happened to this guy as far as his touch with quarterbacks, because Aggies have kind of had a revolving door. Yes, Kellen Mond was there for three years with Fisher. And we have this Haynes King saga where he, went, he twice wins quarterback competitions, you know, consecutive years. Zach Elsada beats Alabama, then he's gone. I mean, Max Johnson comes in, he can't beat out King. And you watch Haynes King and you're like, really? Max Johnson couldn't beat out this guy? So what is up with like Jimbo and quarterbacks at Texas
1: A&M? He has had some big-time swings and misses so far, and the one to be determined is his long five-star in the bunch, if I'm getting that right, Connor Wegman out of Bridgeland High. He has not really played yet for the Aggies, and you might see him over the second half of the season. But going back to his first year, talking about Jimbo, he brought on board a guy named James Foster that he really pumped up as the quarterback of the future at at, at Texas A&M and Kellen Mond's successor. He inherited Kellen Mond, of course, from Kevin Sumlin. Well, James Foster didn't pan out. And then he 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 signed Eli Stowers a couple of years ago. Well, he had a shoulder injury. He is not he's been more of a tight end a factor at tight end than he has a quarterback for the Aggies. Last year, Jimbo Fisher told us during the summer that he had two NFL quarterbacks to choose from in Zach Calzada and Haynes King. And he really couldn't go wrong with that decision. Along the way, I've learned not to believe Jimbo Fisher when he pumps up his quarterbacks or talks about them because you have to see it on the field and you haven't seen it uh, with these guys Max Johnson I thought has has done about as good a job as he possibly could and transferring from LSU and and a lot of us were were kind of stunned that he did not win the job outright which also makes you when you see both those guys on the field talking about Haynes King and Max Johnson to us we're, we're going how did he not win this job in camp you know how did Haynes King look so good in camp? Because uh, you saw a noticeable difference in kind of leadership styles and really, at least trying to to motivate and run the offense. And now Max Johnson is hurt, so it'll go back to Haynes King. But yes, so far the quarterback whisperer has has had a lot of swings and misses with Wegman to be determined. I also think, Greg, that he he might not want to throw Wegman out there because right now Jimbo Fisher has him as his kind of ace in his hole ace in his back pocket. And with the idea that, hey, the future is bright because of this uh, five star we've got. So what if he goes out there and he's 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 just okay, or he's just average or he shows he's got a lot to learn in this system? I do think Jimbo Fisher probably thinks in those terms, too, of just kind of keeping him under wraps for now while he sees what he's got with uh, Haynes King, who has been his guy for the last couple of years. And obviously that has not panned out.
0: You know, in this era of. Transfer portal, nil, whatnot. If you don't play these guys right away, are they just going to get antsy and take off? If you look, at, like I'm not suggesting that's what's happening with Wegman, but if he doesn't play as a freshman, I mean, is he is he going to be itching to go somewhere where he can play right away? Because there's always opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, there is, and I do
1: think that he'll be promised. And I'm I'm speaking for myself here. Nothing in that I've heard, but just kind of common sense approach that he'll be promised the opportunity to compete for that starting job throughout the off season although he's a guy who said he wanted to play baseball at AM as well and is supposed to do that this winter and spring so we'll see what happens there but i wouldn't i haven't heard anything along those lines but yes that's another thing that Jimbo's going to have to get his uh hands around is the whole idea of these interchangeable parts these days in college football and i know i just talked about max johnson coming on board but Overall, he has not really used the transfer portal to AM's uh, advantage mostly over the over the last couple of years. And so he's going to have to grasp that aspect of it, too, as opposed to, man, when I first started covering college football back in the mid-90s, that whole idea was, especially with offensive and defensive linemen, they redshirted that first year. They, you know earned a little playing time as underclassmen, and then they stepped into starting roles as upperclassmen. All that's out the window. Now you look at it, and last year you had a couple of true freshmen, uh, and Ruben Fothery and Bryce Foster starting on the Aggies offensive line. So everything's changed, and one of the things Jimbo's going to have to do, and he refers to himself as an old-school coach, he's got to get new school in in a lot of ways in in a big hurry if the Aggies want to compete for titles.
0: You're right. I mean, BYU's freshmen are only 22 years old now compared to like (laughs) 26 or 28 back in the day. Um, let's drill down a little bit on this Alabama matchup. Obviously Jimbo and Nick Saban generated the headlines in the spring when Saban told a group of Alabama businessmen that AM pretty much bought their entire top rated recruiting class. Didn't take long Jimbo to, for, for Jimbo to fire back the, you know, the key sound bites were calling Saban a narcissist then really telling reporters to dig into Saban saying, ask how God did his deal. Kind of an interesting choice of words, but You had a piece that's online in Wednesday's Chronicle. Jimbo's pretty much uh, suffering from amnesia now. He doesn't remember saying all this or whatever, you know, with the game coming up. Him and Nick are all good, just like the good old days. Doubt it's like the good old days, but. I think
1: uh, Ask God How He Did His Deal is going to be the name of my next band, which would also be my first band. But yeah, he he sometimes has a real way with words, especially when he gets going and it's on a topic that really kind of flusters him as well, which certainly this one has. Yeah, and suddenly when I asked Jimbo about it this week, it's like he didn't even want to go anywhere near the topic when he was the one that called the press conference back in May. And if he had more people around him who would say, hey, you might want to check yourself, you know, give it a little time, calm down a little bit, because I can't imagine, and he won't say that he regretted it, but the idea that you're firing up the guy who's already the winningest coach in college football history in terms of national titles – giving him even more motivation, even more incentive to beat you, just didn't seem like the brightest deal. And so I think Jimbo, obviously during game week, kind of realizes that. I know he said the right things at SEC media days and SEC spring meetings, but this week it was just absolutely glowing about uh, Nick Saban, which was quite different than uh, you know he, he, he thinks he's got and, and perhaps even deserved a slapping as a child, which I thought was an interesting approach as well back in May. Uh, that that may, maybe somehow would have straightened out Nick Saban on on the road of life.
0: What is the relationship between Jimbo and Saban? I, I can imagine for an assistant coach working for Saban might not exactly be utopia. He's probably really a demanding boss. You know, that standards are very high at Alabama. But if you do well, you'll be rewarded as in you'll become a head coach. Like he's had so many assistants become head coaches. But I can imagine there's some kind of creative tension there behind the scenes.
1: Greg, explain this to me. If you're sitting there telling reporters to dig into Saban's past because he didn't do things the right way, yet you spent five years on his staff, what does that say about you? Maybe he didn't think that one all the way through as well because aren't you kind of implicating yourself in that situation in terms of saying, hey, dig into his past. He he did it this way, and that's why he's had success. In terms of his relationship, I thought it was interesting a few years ago uh, when Saban won one of his titles at Alabama, one of the guys waiting outside the locker room to congratulate him was Jimbo Fisher. And I'm sitting there thinking, if he had all this anger and hatred toward him based on being, you know, one of his top assistants back at LSU, what is he doing waiting outside the locker room? So that that press conference, and I and I also say this: Nick Saban, I thought was wrong for what he said. I think it's been proven in the time since that A and M's class of twenty twenty two. Was not indeed all bought. When you sign a kicker, I'm guessing the kicker was not bought in the class of 2022. and Maybe the kicker
0: pays you to take him.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe paid one of the other guys on, on the, in the class. So, so that was an exaggeration on Saban's part. I thought they were both wrong essentially, in terms of what Nick Saban said about AM and I think there were some sour grapes there because they weren't number one. And his, his old buddy, Jimbo Fisher, was number one at a and for the first time in history. And essentially, it was his way of urging Alabama boosters to step up. Saban later said he regretted naming a, a particular program as opposed to being, you know, maybe a little more vague on that front. Uh, and then Fisher to call a press conference that next morning, and sit up there and rail for 10 minutes and say all those kind of wild things. You know, they, they both didn't exactly look like uh, great human beings in the whole deal.
0: You know, a has been in the SEC for a decade, but I'm not sure they have any really deep-seated rivalries with any other SEC teams. If you think about it, has, will a and be going into a hornet's nest on Saturday that they haven't seen since maybe their last visit to Texas or a Texas Tech?
1: Yeah, I guess the closest thing because of those kind of colorful games and the multi-overtime game, was it seven or eight? I can't even remember anymore. LSU. (laughs) Yes, Uh, seven, I believe, seven overtime games. That was the closest thing, you know, as I called it, the battle for the Sabine Canteen. And my whole idea there, Greg, was the loser of LSU versus A&M had to drink water from the Sabine River out of this canteen. I'm still trying to make all that happen. But yes, there there has not been, there will not be as hostile an environment as there will be on Saturday night, based on what Jimbo Fisher said about their beloved Nick Saban, in uh, in really just minimizing his career and his accomplishments, is essentially accusing him of cheating to get to that point. So yes, that is one kind of underrated aspect. I've addressed it some, and we'll address it later in the week about how this is going to be. I mean, I'm I'm here anytime I post about Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban on Twitter, it seems like I'm hearing from Alabama fans saying "Get ready," because you know they are they are they are pumped up. And again, this game isn't living up what you started this with. It's not living up to its expectations in terms of Texas A&M now being unranked and three and two. But that's not going to diminish the uh, the hatred that 100,000 fans are going to have for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies on Saturday night as well.
0: Obviously, the oddsmakers don't think much of the Aggies' chances. They're like three touchdown underdogs. I I'm not going to go on a, out on a limb and predict the Aggies will win, but I think there is a very there might be a very interesting mitigating factor in this game, and I think it's Bill O'Brien, hmm. the Crimson Tide's offensive coordinator. Of course, Houston fans know him as a former Texans coach. He does some very weird things during games with play calling. If you remember last year when the Aggies won at Kyle Field. I think Alabama had first and goal at the three, and he threw three straight times when Brian Robinson was just ripping off chunks of yardage, and they had to settle for a field goal in a game they lost by three points. And there's footage of last week's game at, at Arkansas. You've got Saban yelling, you know, "Run the bleep and ball!" <laughs> and there was a game at Texas this year. I mean, Alabama barely survived where it's fourth and in inches, and Bill O'Brien is running a running a ball out of the shotgun and Bear Bryant would be rolling over in his grave if he saw Alabama doing that so I'm not saying the Aggies are going to keep this close but some very strange Bill O'Brien decisions could keep them in this game for a little
1: bit I think well Greg you know that Bill O'Brien's playing chess when the rest of us are playing checkers and and actually it'll be chess both will be playing chess Bill O'Brien versus Jimbo Fisher but to your point I think Nick Saban who, as I was told this week by a, a longtime SEC insider, very much took what Jimbo Fisher said personally. And back in 2014, Nick Saban let off the gas against the Aggies, and Alabama still won at Brian Denny Stadium 59 to zero. I'm not saying it's going to be more than that because that, you know, this team probably AM's a little better than that AM team, and Alabama's not as good as that team was back then. But I don't see him letting off the gas either. In other words, he, he might t- he might actually turn the play calling over to somebody else if he doesn't like what Bill O'Brien is calling in this situation. But, yeah, some very interesting play calling going back to last year. And I remember that just being up in the press box at Kyle Field, kind of scratching my head at some of Alabama's decisions and the decision to kick field goals in those situations. And ultimately, uh, they lose 41-38, which was the first time in 25 tries that a former assistant of Nick Saban had won and then George's Kirby smart did it again in the national title game a few games later. So yeah, uh, the play calling between these two Bill O'Brien and Jimbo Fisher is something to keep an eye on, but I do, I do not think it's going to be close in the end in terms last of last thing outcome.
0: I want to bring. I'm sorry. Last thing I want to bring up with you, mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher and Kevin Sumlin both have the same record after 53 games at Texas A&M 37 and 16. When the Aggies handed Jimbo Fisher that contract, you know, five years ago or whatever it was, do you think any of their fans would have expected these kind of results? Like at a someone-esque level? Not at all. And especially
1: after (laughs) someone-esque level, the name of my other band after uh, God and his deal. (laughs) So yes, uh, especially after uh, 2020, Texas A&M finished nine and one in the, in the pandemic season. Uh, number four in the nation, the highest ranking since 1939 when they won the national title, just outside the, you know, at number five, a controversial decision to put Notre Dame in and the Aggies out. So Jimbo Fisher almost made the college football playoff in his third season at AM. All of that had, you know, it had me writing, hey, he won a national title in his fourth year at Florida State. Okay, now he's going into his fourth season at uh, – you know, at Texas A&M, it's all setting up. I think he even had an Orange Bowl victory the, the year before Florida State, before before they won the title. Well, lo and behold, all those four things, I think they finished fourth in the SEC West or something like that. So, yeah, it didn't quite pan out. So then you say, OK, the AP poll voters still believe in the Aggies uh, in the offseason. I wasn't sure based on what I knew and what I... You know, what I had seen in the offseason, I was like, okay, how are they ranking them number six to start this season? Maybe they're seeing something I don't. And obviously that was uh, grossly inflated at this point. So, yes, it's a really long way of saying that, no, A&M fans, A&M administration did not expect him to be matched up with Kevin Sumlin after 53 games. Jimbo Fisher's saving grace to this point is his recruiting has been much better than Kevin Sumlin's was. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has put together four top 10 recruiting classes for the first time in AM program history. I think even 3 was a record at that point. He signed the, you know, the alleged number one overall class in 2022, so time will tell how all those pan out and if you have some guys that transfer right away after a year then that certainly can change those numbers as well. But bottom line is that's what give that's what gives AM fans hope right now is Jimbo's recruiting. Now, if he can find himself a, a play caller, maybe it will all come together because I do think this this defense would also benefit from uh, you know, s- some more offense. So, yes, uh, no, in his fifth year at AM and and in his fifth year at Florida State, I think they went undefeated in the regular season and then lost in the semifinals of the college football playoff and had a long winning streak at that point. Certainly, his tenure at Texas A&M has not been anywhere close to what it is at Florida State. And a part of that is also coaching in the SEC as opposed to the ACC and also not having that generational quarterback like you had in Jameis Winston.
0: That does go a long way. brenz Warnerman, award-winning Texas A&M beat writer, College Station Bureau Chief. Thanks very much for your time. Enjoyed your insights. Safe travels to Tuscaloosa.
1: Appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for having me on.
0: For more Texas A&M coverage and all other Houston sports coverage, please go to HoustonChronicle.com slash sports.